Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another brand new episode of the Define University podcast. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I'm so excited to dive into another Share Your Story series where we unpack the stories of amazing educators. And today, I not only have one, but I have two amazing educators coming your way. So I would love to, without further ado, let's welcome them in. Jared and Kate Hamilton, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us here today. Yes, thank you, Lindsay. We're really excited to be here today. Absolutely. I'm so excited. I love one, I love connecting further with educators. And I think what better way to really start that connection through talking about stories? Because I think it is, it's that one piece that every educator has. Yet I know for myself, it's that one tool that I didn't tap into for a really long time because I didn't know that that it was that important. And once I did man, everything changed. So super excited that uh, we're going to dive into that today. Uh, Before we do, I would love to have each of you just kind of share a little bit about kind of what you do in education, where you're from, anything that you kind of want to share just to kind of get things going. So Kate, do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, I am currently a geometry teacher at um, a school down here in Dallas, Texas. Um, I have been teaching for close to a decade. I took a little bit of a break in the middle to have uh, our three beautiful children. Um, I would have originally met Jared teaching and uh, we've been together ever since. It's been uh, quite the wild ride. (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. All right, Jared, how about you? Um, uh, Very similar to Catherine. I've been working in various education roles for about 15 years. unlike her, when we had our kids, I kept working instead of staying home with them. Um, You know, I've taught all over Western Canada. I got a great adventure to go teach over in England for a few years. Um, And both Catherine and I were currently working in Dallas, Texas right now as mathematics teachers. Oh, amazing. I, so I got to ask, we're we're just going to jump right in. I got to ask because my husband and I could not be in more separate fields. <laughs> so obviously I'm in education. He is in um, machining, engineering, tool and die making, all of that. It's funny because we'll have conversations like, how was your day? What did you do? And neither one of us really understand what the other person does because we both start, we're so passionate about what we do that we just start talking about it. And eventually one of us is like, I, that's great, but I have no idea what you're talking about. I um, finally, after a couple of years of like playing this game, I said, can you bring me home something that you make? Because he kept talking about, he makes these things and how, how intricate it is. I'm like, can you show me, <laughs> show me what you make? So long-winded way to say, you know, you guys are in, in the same field, you know, and how do you find that you're able to kind of like turn work off in a sense or, or have those conversations? Um, how does that, how does that work? I find that uh, we, we kind of do a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're working through things, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about our day and we'll talk about some of the celebrations, some of the hiccups, and we'll kind of share ideas back and forth that way but for the most part work stays at work um, unless we're setting aside time specifically for it 
um, because then we get a chance to focus on our kids and kind of like our downtime because that mental well-being part is since having kids has been so important and so big for both of us. Oh, I love that you brought up that that mental well-being part. I mean, I think that, you know, I think we could talk for an hour on just that topic alone, probably more, probably more right? Um, but I think it is really important to understand that, you know, those boundaries. And yeah, there might be days if it's full of hiccups and you just need to kind of get it out there and have that conversation. I think that's so important. But to be able to recognize that most of the time it's going to stay here so that you know, we can, we can, you know, really live into the other roles that we serve, you know, educator is one, and it's often a big one. But you know, as we've already mentioned, there's lots of other roles we play. Um, you know, Jared, anything to add? I, you know, it's, it comes with a lot of advantages, I find. Um, the idea that we're both educators, so we're able to like in sync our schedules, like I'm talking vacations, our weekends, our summers, I think it's been one of the biggest blessings from us having similar careers. But I also think sort of, you know, 24 access to, you know, not only my wife, but I think my number one collaborative partner, you know, there's any moment where I think like, hey, I got a great idea for a lesson, or what do you think about this? Or we look at assessment. I've never felt like, oh, I got to go talk to this person, but it's eight o'clock at night. I don't want to bother them. And I'm not going to have time in the morning. It's just literally, you know, like literally like, Catherine, come over here. I want to show this to you. Uh, I got a white book on the wall. Let's talk about this right now. Or what do you think? Um, so for me, like you have some of those disadvantages that Catherine mentioned and that you know you got to talk about with the boundaries but you also get a lot of advantage you know sort of being a teaching couple and then of course being in the same sort of subject of teaching as well yes absolutely so knowing that you're both in that same again same field kind of same subject that kind of thing I'm curious as to what are your mission towards education if those are similar if they're different um, you know, I'm sure there's some overlap, you know, but really I would love to, I, I love diving into, again, missions as educators, because I think if you're an educator listening and you do not have a mission statement, if you are not, like if I said to you on the street, what's your mission and you can't come up with an answer, that's your homework. <laughs> that's your, that's your task to go figure out because I, I, that is my go-to on those tough days. I reread my mission. I anchor back into that why, my purpose, what is getting me up in the morning. And I think it's just so important, which is why in almost every one of these episodes, we cover mission because I want to inspire you know every educator listening, get out there and own your mission. So uh, Kate, do you want to start us off? Kind of, What's your mission when you think of your mission as an educator? I'd say the biggest thing for me that really motivates me the most is building confidence and self-esteem um, and the content it, it comes in after so if these kids are feeling empowered if they're feeling that they can do something if they feel that they can accomplish this they are more likely to take the risk in some of these more difficult concepts regardless of what the area is yes i i resonate with that 110 percent. i was that kid in school that did not was not confident um, I did not have good self-esteem. I, uh, it, it's funny that both of you being math, I'm thinking back in, and I think, I think it was ninth grade, but I could be wrong on the grade. But one of the years I was in, I was placed in accelerated math and very quickly realized or, or had this feeling, I can't do this. And the can't came from, I was getting in the eighties, but in my mind, that wasn't good, right? That wasn't, that was my belief in grades. And again, we could talk another hour on grades. I'm sure that's a, you know, big piece. But I had this belief I couldn't do it. 
And instead of, you know, kind of helping me through that, my teacher said, okay, great. We'll just put you back in math nine, you know, or whatever it was. And that to me, I was okay with that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be able to get it. It's going to be easy. My grades soared at 99 and hundreds, but I wasn't pushed. I wasn't, you know, I didn't work through ultimately the lack of confidence that I had. And so I love that answer because I think that is a huge piece that can hold some of our kids back in, you know, in, in taking that risk and being okay, making mistakes and that growth, because I, I grew, but not really in, not really in the way that, that I kind of wish I could, if that makes sense. Jared, how about you? What's your uh, mission as an educator? I look to sort of work and help students. Uh, I think starting with their social, emotional learning, um, do they have a joy for what they're doing? Does it make them happy? Do they have an acknowledgement, recognition of their work? Um, do, do they have a sense of self-identity? You know, like, are they actually making some connections here and understanding why what we're learning in math is important and where do they fit into the picture? And then I like to push a lot of competencies on students, you know, not necessarily, I would say content knowledge. There's some parts which are really important, but, you know, like, how are we developing your communication skills, your problem solving? How are you developing as a collaborator? What's your creative processes starting to look like? Um, and, and how are you using these? So not necessarily, I think, well, are you able to sit down and look at a question and immediately get the answer? But, you know, if you didn't know the answer, okay, so what are your steps to get you to that point? You know, like, what would you do that would help you find the answer that you're looking for. Yeah. So it sounds like you're really, I mean, both of you like are taking this real life aspect, right? These real life goals and skills that are going to help students, uh, you know, succeed and excel and tying it to, you know, within math, right? Tying it within your, your passion from that piece, you know, kind of as a, as a part two to that almost, have you, has that always been kind of your, your piece? Like, cause again, I think back to when I was in school learning to be a teacher, right. And teacher prep and, and mine's a little different. I was elementary ed. So we kind of learned a little bit of everything and all pieces, but I, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't learn a lot about the social emotional pieces. I didn't learn a lot about those components. I learned how to write a lesson plan, how to write a unit plan, how to do this. Um, so I'm just wondering if that is something kind of this, this basis is anchoring into social emotional learning and these, and these skills, has that been something that's kind of grown over time? Is that something you've been passionate from the beginning? Um, you know, really looking at educators listening, if they're not there yet, kind of how, how can they kind of start taking those steps to start embedding some of that practice? Kate, any thoughts or Jared, any thoughts? Well, I would think with myself, no, that's not how I started. I think I was very similar to you, Lindsay, writing lesson plans, sticking to my outcomes, working with percentages. Okay, like, how do we get you from here to here? Um, that, that's something I had to evolve. You know, I think it's like anything, you know, teachers, we're learners too. We have some failures, we reflect on them, we grow from them, and we try and do better. I would definitely say I had a period of time where I was doing this, but I'll be honest, I don't think it was intentful. It's kind of like, you you know, you're doing these things in the classroom. It's a part of your community building, your relationships, you're seeing it. But like you said, this wasn't evident in my mission statement. This wasn't evident in my lesson planning. So it was sort of, I would say, probably in the last, I'd say, six years of my teaching where I started making, I think, a more authentic effort towards this. Like, this is a part of my growth. This is a part of my mission statement. Um, I would be speaking with students and parents about this with my class rules. Or if I went to a job for a principal, like, this is what I would be talking about in the interview more than anything. And uh, that definitely, I think, made a lot more of a difference because, well, for one thing, I think it became a little more self-evidence when you start thinking about measuring, like, your growth and your targets. 
but I also think that it was starting to build that literacy, I think, with students and families where when you know we're doing this, but because we weren't really talking about it, it's just something that kind of happily happened on the side. But now that we started putting it in the front, like this became a focus that we talked about in parent teacher conferences. These are things that we celebrated at the end of our year parties. And these were things that we talked about. Okay, now what are we going to do next year when we come back to school? Or what are we going to keep doing when we go to university? So it really became a bigger piece of the pie once we got that intent put onto it. I love that. Yeah, I think it's so, it's it's that natural progression, right? And so I think, you know, it was one of the pieces that I hear from educators a lot. It's like, I'm not there yet. And I said, that's okay, right? You are where you're at right now. So where is an area you'd like to grow? And what's that step? And then what I also heard you say is really that intentional piece, right? We kind of notice we're, we're doing it, but let's put it at the forefront. Let's make it known. Let's be proud of the work we're doing in our classrooms. And I love that. Kate, anything you want to add with that piece? For me, um, when I went and got into education, it was really competitive. So there was always these ideas that the more that you were capable of doing, made you more attractive as a teacher. So coaching was a huge piece that was advertised when I was in university that would be good on your resume. So when I was teaching and I was in these positions, I was coaching. And that role model position evolved and it really fit in with kind of just who I am as a person. So I kind of grabbed hold of it and ran with it. And I applied those modeling principles on the on the court because I coach basketball um, into my classroom and saying well I, I want these other pieces brought in I want you to have that confidence yes you're not there yet well guess what no, I couldn't do a layup the first time I stepped on a basketball court so what you practice you try you practice you try and it just kind of developed and then social emotional learning kind of game became that buzzword on the scene and it's like no this 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 is it this is what this is what I stand for. Yes, yes. I I love, you know, I think it's, it, you know, I think to me, teaching continues to evolve, right? Even what what goes within teaching. And, and there are some times where I will use, you know, similar terminology, I'll be working with a staff member, and I'll say, especially maybe it's a one on one or paraprofessional. And I'll say, I want you to literally think you have a hat on this as coach. <laughs> like, I want you to think of coaching, because it's very different than supporting, you know, and we talk about what those words mean. And I think it's, it again, it goes back to that intentionality piece of what is the what's the big outcome, right? So there's these small outcomes. And then what's this, what's the growth, the life outcome. And when we can identify that it almost always is confidence, empowerment, resilience, perseverance, right? It's those skills that we can apply in a whole lot of different settings. And if I know how to apply it in math, then I can apply it there and maybe in science and English, right? And really learn how to do that. So I think that's so powerful. And I love that you both just kind of grabbed onto it and made it part of, you know, what it is that you are doing for the students in your classroom. When we think about kind of, we think about our mission and we think about what you know, kind of got us into teaching, you know, that's always a big part of our story. It's one of my favorite parts of our, of, of learning other educators stories. Um, and so I'm just wondering, you know, I would love for you to share a little bit about what is it or who is it that inspired you to kind of take, go into education, go into this field. So I don't know who wants to kick us off this time. For me, um, I didn't decide that I wanted to be a teacher until like my second year university. Um, it was a lot of my 
tutoring that I was doing of uh, some friends and some family at the time that went, you know, this is actually something that I feel I can be quite successful in. But when I talk about my inspiration, um, that's something that's come after I started teaching. So my inspiration is actually my husband and my children. Um, he allows me to be able to be confident in my own abilities. And I know I can talk to him, like he said earlier, like it's eight o'clock at night. I can talk to him about absolutely anything and we will have, we'll hash things out. And I feel more secure and confident going into the classroom the next day. Um, the way that he works with the hands-on math and the visual math is very different than how I learned it. I was the algorithm through and through. I would be able to see it and I could reproduce it over and over like a photocopier. So being able to see that other side of it gave me a better understanding of what I'm now teaching. And so that has continued to inspire me as we continue to go on. Oh, I love that. And I love, I love what you said about, you know, what, you know, the reason that you entered in, it was different, right? It is, it shifted, like your inspiration shifted as, as you shifted. And I think that's such an, uh, a key takeaway is that, you know, that, that is so powerful that it may not be the same, right? You're one as you're 10, as you're 20. Um, and to, to know that, right, that it doesn't have to be solidified before you take your first step into a classroom, um, but that it really is truly evolving. I love that. Jared, what about you? Um, I think when I got into it, service was always a big thing for me. I mean, there was a lot of things I was doing in my life at the time, like, you know, volunteering, tutoring, and, you know, teaching really complemented those two parts of my world about a career that I felt that I could be passionate about, um, supporting people, working with the community. Community. And it's just something that's evolved for me over time. I mean, when I think of my inspiration back then, this came from like working with students, you know, helping them make their dreams. Um, you know, my own personal success in my career, like being able to complete my professional master's. Although I find nowadays, like Catherine said, a lot of my inspiration, you know, it comes from working with her and my own children. Um, I've kind of gotten to a point in my career where I think of all the work we have to do. Like, I, I don't want to go home and write lesson plans or make these huge PowerPoints for students. Like, instead, yeah, I go play Pokemon Go with my daughter and we go for a walk at the same time. So we got to do a little bit of video gaming. We talked to each other. We got some exercise. And then, you know, we did this. It was when we shut down last April. She had to do an assignment where she had to collect some data and make a tally chart. And we just got this great idea. Like, we have all this data from the Pokemon. So we wrote out these tally charts. We're like, okay, we caught this many flying Pokemon. We caught this many rock Pokemon. And then we started making graphs out of it and talking about, like, well, what did the graph show us? And why do we think graphs are cool? And, like, how can we use colors to make them more appealing? And, like, that was just a whole lesson for me that I ended up, like, building and constructing in my head and then all of a sudden I started in September the next year and I told my students you know it's walking curriculum time let's get outside get your phones out download the app we're going to work in pairs we need to go catch some Pokemon and we got to collect some data and there's just so many lessons like that like we play Mario Brothers we make pixels we buy these coding robots and before you know it um, I'm pulling out painters tape on the floor and I'm making different shapes a different area and letting the robots with my daughter go around and say well what are you noticing about the time it takes to go around these shapes and it's like, well, they're all the same number of squares, daddy, but it's taking some of these really long to get around. And, and those are things that, you know, I, I speak with my wife and I'm like, do you think like we could do this in the classroom? Like we could get our students doing this. I mean, my, my daughter's in elementary and she's picking up on the ideas here. So like our middle school kids are, are going to get this. 
And it's just kind of like she was saying, having that visual and that hands-on that, you know, I didn't get this from going to a conference or taking Pro-D. I got this from playing with my kids and my wife and just doing things that we naturally love and saying, okay, wait a minute, like our story here, our life, this is a lesson that I can attach content to and competencies to, and I can teach these kids about. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, give them that skill set that maybe they go home and they come back with something else doing what I showed them. Yes. I want to be in that class. That <laughs> Sign me up. Yes. I might've understood math that way. <laughs> um, no, but I absolutely love it. And I learned, I, I'm right there with you. I have a seven-year-old and she, she gives me so many ideas um, that I, that I incorporate. And it's, it's sometimes like in the simplest way, right. We'll be putting a puzzle together and we talk about how, you know, every puzzle piece kind of looks similar, but they're unique enough that, you know, only one fits you know, ideally in each spot. And I, you know, I, I, was, I remember doing this last week and I go, there's a really good like behavioral metaphor in this somewhere. And I had to kind of think about it. And I was like, yeah, like we might think two things go together for this student, but maybe not that student. Right. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I kind of went on this tangent in my own mind, but that wouldn't have happened, you know, without, I mean, maybe it would have, but, you know, seeing there and then being, how do I apply this or where else could I apply this? I think really showcases that inspiration can come from so many places. And so it might not be in a book. It might not be at a conference. It might be, you know, watching, you know, whatever movie we're watching and, oh my gosh, there's an idea. So I, I love that. Just kind of be open to these pieces. And, and I love what you said. Could we do this? I love that question because most time, you know, if the answer is like, I don't know, then I'm like, go for it, right? Go try it, go do something um, just to keep that excitement going, which is really where I want to go to next. Cause I think keeping that excitement and passion and joy going as an educator is essential. It is so needed. Um, and so I just want to, I want to talk about kind of how do you, or what, not how, what, what brings you joy as an educator? How do you make sure that even on those tough days, joy is kind of at the forefront? Um, I mean, I, I'm really big into like using project-based learning with students. I mean, one of my favorite assignments is, is I do like a, a pixel art assignment with students. Um, you know, I get them to drive out eight big characters with squares. It, it's always been one of my favorite assignments, especially when we were doing the pandemic learning in the beginning, because it's so easy for everyone to start. Like, all I need to give you is graph paper and give you a box of markers or a box of pencil crayons. And you need the color squares to make a shape and everyone can do that. But then it has so many different places it can go, you know, like we can start using uh, graphics, like, you know, spreadsheets or like uh, art software to make them. Um, students get excited about them and they start going into the rounding curves. So we start getting a little more sophisticated. Other students start learning like, hey, you know, I got this different type of graph paper and the squares were smaller. So it looks a lot smoother. Um, and then just lots of different things like uh, uh, here, Lindsay, as I come around here, because this is stuff again that I kind of started doing with my own kids. Um, you know, uh, we started doing this on paper and then I got an opportunity to do this. My daughter and I, we did this here on a white book. So that was kind of getting the idea of using the graphics. And of course, you know, we got into 3D printing and 3D pens. So all of a sudden we were making fridge magnets. So it kind of gave me a reason to say, okay, we got some more cool technology here. I want to start using this with some of my own students that we have our 3D printers and pens. Um, but I think it was that creation piece I was saying again, which is what really gets me excited is, okay, so we did some of this stuff. Like, where did you go with it? So I showed this to you. How did you personalize it? 
And it came from a student who her mom worked as a professional baker. She had her own little business. And the daughter came home and she was talking like, look, we made these characters. Like, look how you do this, mom. You just color these squares and you have shapes. You make the hat, the face and everything. And I guess the daughter was saying like, we should make one of these on a cake. And the daughter was like, the, the mother, I mean, was like, okay, well, that's, that's going to be really hard. It's a lot of work. And I don't know if there's a market for it. And then the daughter said, we'll make it with cupcakes, mom. You'll color all the cupcakes and then we'll place the cupcakes out and we'll make the shape. And the daughter, and I guess the mom was like, that actually might work. So that they started making some of these and she did them for parties. And then all of a sudden, like I had this parent teacher conference and the mom and daughter, like we did not talk about the kid at all, by the way, like we barely had enough time. I just had to say, your daughter is amazing. She's great. You read the report card. The whole 20 minute process was talking about these cupcake cakes she made people go crazy for them i'm making marios and peaches i made something called a bowser i don't even know what it is it's like a turtle or a dragon but parents are buying them and um and then like she's like and that was dead almost immediately because then people started looking for caricatures they're like well could you pixelate us and then she's like okay so i look at pictures and my daughter was showing me like how to make faces and mustaches so she's like people would come up to me and be like okay it's my kid's birthday can you make him a computer graphic? And then I'd have these cakes and people would grab them. She's like, they're just becoming a great seller. And she's like, and they're so easy to make because all I do is I color the cupcakes and my daughter builds the puzzle. Like she makes the picture to what she has. And um, I just like, that just warmed my heart like crazy hearing that because it's like, okay, so we learned something in class and I applied it to one context and you actually took it home and did something completely different with it. Like you made it your own story, your own personalization of product and learning. Uh, there's nothing better, right? I mean, that that's like, that's that full circle, right? Like I taught it and now it's applying something that's helping the family, something the family can collaborate on, building that home to school connection. Oh, I love that story. Thanks so much for sharing that one. Kate, what brings you joy as an educator? Uh, I, there's no way I can top that one, I'll be <laughs> honest. It's one of my all-time favorite stories. Um, but like, watching watching my kids my children and my students have that success moment and it just it changes in their face you can just see the look in their eyes when something clicks and it's it's amazing to watch um i actually recently had um one of my autistic children um in my class she she is self-proclaimed i hate math I don't do well in math, but I have to take it. And slowly, day by day, she, she would look at me and say, you're just giving me compliments because you have to. You're just giving me compliments because you have to. You're just trying to build me up. But I know I'm, I'm not good at this. And when she completed her final exam, because she had been being successful, she had been working through it. She'd had some minor panic attacks along the way, but we, we worked through it. And she's like, I got an 85. And her face lit up and just seeing how much her whole demeanor changed into that more upright that positive the smiling that that's what brings me joy is seeing that I can do it I did it pride yes oh I love that yeah absolutely and because again that's that's what it's like that progression right that learning that learning piece and I and I so know what you're talking about when they when the student gets it and you see it and they see it and it is, and it's sometimes like words aren't even exchanged, right? But it's just that feeling. It's that, it's that piece. Um, a lot of times they are, a lot of times it's a conversation. It's a lot of times it's sharing it out and celebrating, but um, I, I love that. I think it's so important to help, help teach that, help teach that, that 
feeling of pride and being proud of who you are um, is so important for so many of our for so many of our students and educators. <laughs> um, as we are as we are coming to the end, I have loved hearing your stories, hearing um, your examples, the, the passion and energy that both of you have for education truly is felt it comes through the screen so i am i'm loving it uh before we end though is there any last piece of advice or what what is kind of i would say like that go-to advice that you would love to share with the educators listening today what would that be one of the biggest things that we share is this whole idea of bringing your story into your own teaching so we we take what makes us us and we share that with the people around us and our students in our class and like, so Jared with his love of video games, me, like I, I love them too. And it, it's something that the kids nowadays, they love too. And they like to look back at the stuff that we went through with video games. And we, like, I'll talk to my kids about my children and they ask, how are they doing? And what are they doing? Having that story sharing moment is you need to be you in the classroom and bring you in there. Oh, so important. And it just starts with talking, right? It just, that's what I'm here. Like it just starts with sharing, right? Share that information, bring it forward. Um, and certainly it can go on from there, but, but really starting that, that conversation is so, so important. Jared, anything to add with that? I think the closing part is, is just to get that reciprocal part. You know, we've shared our story. Now it's time for you to share yours. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. All right. So if people are not yet connected with you, what is the best place for them to go and do that? Oh, we're both on Twitter. Um, I am at Mr. Make Math Sense. Um, I'm also a Teach Better ambassador. So those are two great places to find some of the things that I do. And I'm Ms. or at Ms. Make Math Sense. I love it. I love it. And I will make sure to um, add all of that into the show notes so you guys and uh, every listener can get connected and to keep learning and hearing uh, Kate and Jared's story. Guys, thank you so much for being here today. I have loved getting to know you better and uh, truly sh uh, thank you for coming on to share your story today. Thank you so much for having us today. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you again, Lindsay. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And listeners, if you want to share your story, all you got to do is reach out. Let me know. I would love to have you on to share your story as well. Stay tuned for a brand new episode coming your way. Same time, same place next week here on the podcast. Until then, keep on loving who you are, owning who you are, trusting in who you are. Those will help you define who you are each and every day. So until next time, have a fabulous week ahead and we will talk soon.